Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adioe Jr., and I'm joined by Lil Croy Poppy himself, a.k.a. my fellow Forbes 30 under 30, a.k.a. Tim Ma fucking Gettys. It's a good day to be here with you today, Bless. Tim, that is a tall-ass coffee. It is. It's technically a Trenta. Techn- technically not at all. Yeah. yeah. Technically, a, what was it? A Trenta? Trenta. Trenta. Yeah. 30 fluid ounces of Starbucks goodness. Does all of that go inside of you? All of it will go inside me, and then I will put new ice in it, and then I'll fill it with more water, and then the cycle continues on and on and on. Is that not too much coffee? Well, th- this is the end of the that? coffee. Yes. I don't drink more than this. This is my limit per day, okay. everybody. I'm responsible for my body. Unlike Nick. Yeah. Unlike Nasty Nick Nick's what they call up. him. I still gotta go with the with the small, and I only drink half of this. Yeah, yeah, it's enough. It's enough to like get me shaky if I drink just half this half this cup. Mm. I know, mm. I know. Tim, how's the how's the new studio life treating you? How's the commute? How's the? Oh, it's great. All of it's great. I get a little, I get a little more cool, Greg. Time that's always fun. Me and him get to driving together. He gets to tell me about the latest rap song. You know, oh, what's, me, the, what's, the, latest you what's oh, the latest one? I don't even know. I don't even, we're not going <laughs> to talk specifics here, but you know, all these, these hot bops, they're out there and I'm being, he's, he's telling me about them and I refuse to listen. I'm like, mm-hmm. it, just, just describe you it listen to, to me, the hot cool, bops? describe it to me, cool Greg. And I make him describe to me the beats and then the words. And then I make him do it. No, that's not true at all. You, you looking forward true. to the new uh, 21 Savage Drake, Drake project? You see they're collabing? I did not. They're I dropping not a collab that. album. Really? In like a week. Yeah. Are you excited for this? I'm very excited because I was I was not thrilled with Drake's last album. Honestly, mm-hmm. never mind. It came out earlier in the year. It was more of a of a dance pop album, which typically from Drake I would be down for. You know, I really like More Life, which had a lot of that vibe, but something was missing in this last one. It felt like it was phoning in a little bit. But the last song on that album was a Drake 21 feature, 21 Savage feature. Mm. That was more traditional. It's hey, like a post credits. It was like a, it felt like a bonus track. It felt like a post credit scene of like, yeah, and this is coming later. This on. is coming later. This is coming later on. And if we're, if this next album is gonna be all of that, I'm like, yes, I'm in 100. Okay. okay. I can't wait for it. It's the best review season because not only is it review season for video games, it is review season for rap albums as well. There we get, go. I, get hyped, everybody. I wonder if you'll always associate Drake and God of War at some point. I have I ever told you that I do that for Ratchet and Clank 2016, and there's a Big Sean Jenny Aiko album called uh oh, I forget, it was like 20 2088 i think is what it's called those came out i want to say the same week and now whenever i think of one i think of the other i love that i can't think of that big shot album without thinking of ratchet and clank and i can't think of ratchet and clank without thinking of that big shot album and that um, just sounds right everybody 100 percent. now of course it's review season you mm-hmm. know take a whiff you can smell that <sighs> that is review season how is your review season Oh, so far so good, bless. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I know. What you're I gotta be about careful. It. It's always it's always that tricky thing of what you can and can't say. But so far, what I can say, oh, things are going really, really well. Let's Very go. excited. 
Let's talk about Let's do things it. going really well for mm -hmm. review season. Because today's stories include a Bayonetta review roundup, Laura Bailey being down to play Abby again, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each new week at 10 a.m. live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to KindOfFunny.com slash You're Wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, or you can listen later on podcast podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show head to kind of funny.com slash kfgd to write in with your questions squad ups and more and remember patreon.com slash kind of funny will get you the show ad free plus a bevy of bonus content Housekeeping for you, the first official Kind of Funny podcast from the spare bedroom is now live. You can catch that in the regular places. Also, VODs from the spare bedroom launch stream have started uploading. Over on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny, you can find the KF Court segment featuring Elise and James. Meanwhile, on Kind of Funny Games, KFW featuring Cisco and more is up right now. Also, also, uh, after today's episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily, Greg is busting ghosts once again and Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed with a full crew. If you miss it live, you can catch the archive on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Thank you to our Patreon producer, Fargo Brady on YouTube. Today we're brought to you by, by uh, Policy Genius and the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast, but mm -hmm. we'll tell you about that later. For now, uh, let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have six stories today. A Baker's Dozen. And I've never been more caught off guard by ads than reading the official Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power podcast. just a lot of that. Huh? How do we score that? That's an awesome ad right there. You know what I mean? Holy cow. cool dudes out here making some cool moves. The Lord of the Rings. Business be me, everybody. Business calls Tim, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why they call him Busy Business Tim. Story number one, we got a Bayonetta 3 review roundup for you. Right now, that game is sitting on Metacritic at, drumroll for me, please, Tim. Metacritic at an 89. And Ooh. Open Critic at an 89 as well. Uh, let's start off with Jessica Howard at GameSpot, who gave it a 9 out of 10 and says, Like his predecessors, Bayonetta 3 is spectacular in the truest sense of the word. Though the game's core gameplay is familiar, it's ups, it ups the stakes, sending players on a multidimensional journey across, the, across time to save the world. If that's not enough, this venture also comes with full-scale kaiju battles, exhilarating chase sequences, a new sword-wielding character who is wildly fun to play as, and a series of 2D stealth-based chapters that follow Jean uh, as she infiltrates enemy headquarters. All this paired with the, uh, with the qualities that made Bayonetta 2 so beloved make for a can't-miss entry in the action games genre. Dom Pepiat at VG247 gave it 5 out of 5 stars and says, As a game... And as a tonic for people sick of buying season passes and DLC, Bayonetta 3 is an essential romp. A love letter to classic Nintendo games that delight in making you laugh, smirk, and feel like an absolute badass. Platinum Games has misfired a little lately, but with this fitting conclusion to the original Bayonetta trilogy, the studio proves it can still fire on all cylinders and then some. This might just be one of the best games on the Nintendo Switch. And then Blake Hester at Game Informer gave it an 8.25 out of 10 and says Bayonetta 3, for the vast majority of its runtime, is an absolute blast. 
It's bombastic, over-the-top, and extravagant for the sake of extravagance, leaving ruins literally in its wake. I'm already going through, going back through each level, trying, to, trying for better scores, and I have no immediate plans of stopping. I may be hes hesitant about the series' future, but at present, this is the best Bayonetta has ever been. Tim Geddes, you're a Nintendo fan. Oh, yeah. You're an action game fan. Oh, yeah. Does Bayonetta 3 excite you? Oh, yeah. Totally. I'm a Bayonetta fan as well. Um, I love what uh, Dom said here about a love letter to classic Nintendo games that delight in making you laugh, smirk, and feel like an absolute badass. Like, I've never thought about it that way. But when uh, Nintendo partnered with Sega for the first time for Bayonetta 2 uh, to come out on the Wii U, it seemed like a weird move. Um, and now here we are almost a decade later, if not a decade later, um, with Bayonetta 3 coming out. And uh, it just makes a lot of sense, actually. And, like, yeah, like, thinking about it that way, that is kind of the magic of the Bayonetta series is like it's it indulges in its own fun and understanding what it is, which is a video game ass video game with a ridiculously over the top main character that is just fun to play as and fun to see do things. So seeing the games kind of ratchet up the things that she's doing into the the, the more and more ridiculous, I feel uh, they kind of rode the wave in a way that even something like recently we we're talking about No More Heroes, mm -hmm. right, that I think has a semi-similar trajectory of, like, it's not a Nintendo game, but it is a Nintendo game, yes. <laughs> you know, in, in the, the core of, like, what it is, but maybe even a little more adult in, in both ways. Um, but where I think uh, No More Heroes 3 kind of, it sounds like, talking to you, missed the mark of that. It sounds like Bayonetta 3 is doing the job of taking everything people loved about the first two iterations and are like, cool, now this is, like, the more modern version understanding, like, what made the the game so special to people in the first place yeah yeah i was i was curious about what your standing was with bayonetta especially because i played so i played about four hours of bayonetta 3 i was very excited for this one i had missed both bayonetta 1 and bayonetta 2 i, I think i've told this story before on shows that uh, i remember the review embargo being up for bayonetta 2 and looking online and seeing that like GameSpot had gave it a 10. It got really high review scores across the board. And I looked at that and I was like, damn, if only I had a Wii U. If right? only. <laughs> if only I had a Wii U or any of my friends had a Wii U so I could play this game. And so I missed out on Bayonetta 2. And by the time, like, you know, Bayonetta, Bayonetta 2 came to other platforms eventually, right? Many, many years later. But I got to the point where I was like, well, I might as well just wait till, for Bayonetta 3, right? Bayonetta 3 is right around the corner. So hopping into this one, as I've started playing it, I have been like, man, this seems like a game that would be Tim Gettys' shit. Oh, yeah. Right? From the fact that it has so much Devil May Cry uh, energy and oh, DNA sure. in it. You know, playing it feels like I'm playing a Devil May Cry clone to some extent, right? And I, I don't say that to, you know, downplay Bayonetta, but just the reality of it is like, yo, she is fucking flipping and slashing all over the place. And she has the, you know, stylish action. pistols. Yeah. It's the, yeah. It's that it's that it's the, um, the lineage that Devil May Cry helped set up. Right. Mm -hmm. Bayonetta 3 feels like it's or Bayonetta in general feels like it's paying off of so much. And not only that, but. You know, to Dom's point here, Dom, uh, it feels <laughs> like playing a Nintendo game as well, right? It's a Nintendo Devil May Cry. And playing Bayonetta 3 and having that be my first Bayonetta and coming to this realization with it, it has been a blast to go through because it is pure action. It is pure style. And it is... It, uh, I, playing it, I, I disregard the story so much, right? And I'm, not, I'm not a person you should come to for, like, Bayonetta 3 story impressions. Witch lore? The, for the witch lore, no. Because, like... 
I have no idea what the fuck is going on <laughs> in this story. You know, in four hours, not one cutscene has made sense to me, but I don't care because I'm here for the action. I'm here for the ridiculousness. Yep. And it is bringing that in spades. You can't tell me anything about this uh, trailer we're watching right now? Like, what, uh, the, 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 the context of anything? <laughs> uh, Bayonetta is a spider. And also, I don't think this is our Bayonetta. I think this is an alt-universe Bayonetta Whoa. from what I understand. And yeah, Bayonetta can like summon different gigantic beasts. And I have no idea why. I guess it's because she's a witch. And I assume she got some powers in the last game that allowed her gotcha. to do this. Really quick, was that your best Dom that you could uh, Dom, really give us? Dom. I'm still, like, okay. voice is still coming back. All right, all right, all right. You know, just give me a few days. I love it. Yeah, no, you're, you're kind of nailing it. And, bless, I do think that you would love going back to the first two uh, mm -hmm. Bayonetta's at some point as well. And they age well, too, because they are simple games. Like, again, they're video game-ass video games in the way that they allow themselves to just find the fun. Like, the point of every scene is what's fun about this? Let's just do it. And I feel like as they've kind of ratcheted that up to where we're at now, like that's kind of like the the magic of Bayonetta um, as as a game where we don't get many things like this anymore. Like action action games have kind of evolved in different ways, yeah. but I, getting a Devil May Cry type game where style and and fun are the goals and the story and all that stuff, it's just there to kind of like keep things moving as long as. People are interested in the the moment to moment. That's what matters the most. Yeah, and I I do love where action games have gone in the last decade because I think, you know, we're not seeing as many of these types of games, and I think that's because uh, action games are finding so many other uh, places to be influenced from. Like now we do have the Souls like yeah. action game, right? And things in between. We have Jedi Fallen Order. We have God of War that have found this middle space of, hey, we can be Souls like without being super duper difficult but also be being approachable for the like casual audience or for for a wide audience right you can have that kind of action game you can't have a bayonetta style action game you can't have something like near that is you know this kind of character action but at the same time has a lot of action rpg elements to it as well and has a deeper story and all that stuff and yeah like playing bayonetta and having it be the kind of action game where it is after every single action sequence, you are getting a grade. <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah. here's gold, silver, bronze. Like, this is how well you did on this specific action sequence. I'm like, yeah, dude, I need I need one of these every now and then because yep. it is refreshing. It, it, it scratches that itch that uh, I think those Devil May Cry um, character action games have naturally. And I'm having an, an absolute blast with it. And yeah, like, I think at some point, I'm, I'm probably going to revisit Bayonetta 1 and 2 because I, be I believe you wholeheartedly that they probably age well. And I believe in that, especially because earlier this year, at the top of the year, I played Metal Gear Rising Revengeance for the mm -hmm. first time. And let me tell you, I had a blast with that game. Oh. Like, that's the game that came out about a decade ago. And playing that game, I'm like, yo, this is fantastic. It is another platinum game. And I think after after visiting Bayonetta 3, I am realizing that I am a platinum gamer. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, if platinum puts out a game, that's, you know, not bad. <laughs> I'm going to be into that Which shit. Which is such a stupid caveat, but it makes sense yeah. when you're talking about platinum in particular. Because, like, there is that, you know, you're rolling the dice a little bit. Yeah, like, I was excited for Babylon's Fall when they announced that. And then they reannounced it, and I'm like, this looks like a different game. This yeah. does not look good. And then we're it happens. I'm like... This does not look good. I'm not going to play this. But did when Platinum shows up, I'm going to play it. Did you ever end up playing Devil May Cry 5? Yeah. I I never beat Devil May Cry 5 is the thing. And I don't know why. Because I had, I had a lot of fun with that game. Um, but for whatever reason, I fell off of it toward the last, like, 30% of it. Uh -huh. And I think my, that might have just been, like, the, you know, I had gotten what I had needed out of that game. I wasn't really invested for the story. I was in it for the action. And so by the time I got to the end, I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good here. I had, yeah. a, I had a fun time. Yeah, man. I, I, love, I think about that game a lot. And specifically the end. Like, there's some just, like, the epic fights towards the end of it. I'm just like, they really kind of nailed Devil May Cry 5 in a way that I don't know that I gave him 
enough credit for mm-hmm. when they did a couple years ago. But Are now we, I'm like, yeah, good for you guys. Do you expect the next album may cry anytime soon? Oh, I don't, and that's really sad because I feel like it could be. Devil May Cry is the type of franchise that just like it has a, a big moment and it gets all the wins and then just goes away yeah. and then just randomly will come back. And like I've been a big fan of most of the iterations of the franchise, even when they weren't great. Um, I was still rocking for the franchise. Like even when two came out and broke my heart, I, I've told this many story many times. Plus, but Devil May Cry two was the first time in my history where I bought a video game, I pre-ordered it, could not be more excited. There's no way Devil May Cry two is gonna be bad. And I walk into the EB Games, and the guy looks at me, he's like, oof, see the reviews of this one? Oh, man. And I was like, what What could they be? And he's like, oh, look at this. And he hands me the, the game informer, and I open it up and saw the scores, and I was like, oh, no. And then I got it home, and I was in denial. God. I was like, this must be the greatest game ever. They must be wrong. God. They weren't wrong, bless. They weren't wrong. Are you going to boot up uh, Bayonetta 3? Oh, absolutely. I am going to beat Bayonetta 3. The Bayonetta franchise is, again, it's one of the last standing uh ideas of that ps2 era gameplay when it came comes to like those type of action games like god of war is funny to even talk about because i would say that the original like trilogy of god of war is more similar to a devil may cry but then the modern one is not at all we don't get those like original trilogy type action games anymore because more things are like the god of war style of Mm. gameplay so yeah to get a bayonetta what a gift what a treat for us all Funny, funny enough, like playing uh, God of War Ragnarok, specifically the preview um, portion that I, we can talk about, uh, I did have the thought come to mind of like, I wonder if there is, uh, like, I wonder if there's a, you know, potential of going back to old God of War. Not that I want old God of War over new God of War, because I really like where God of War is at now, but like, I wonder if there's an audience in the same way that I think we're seeing that with Assassin's Creed a little bit where the next one is supposed to be a little bit more like classic Assassin's Creed because you've had the divergence of Assassin's Creed being more Western RPG like as opposed to traditional stealth action game. I wonder if there's a route where years from now we could get a God of War spinoff that is, hey, here's this God of War game, but it plays like the PS2 God of Wars that we know some of you probably miss because it's been a while since then. I mean... You bring up an interesting point that I just feel like we aren't at that era of retro yet, but I think mm-hmm. we're getting closer and closer by the day. So I do think that there is going to come a point probably in the next five years that we are seeing games that are similar to um, ukulele, yeah. uh, how that is like, you know, taking the idea of an N64 rare game and modernizing it a little bit of like taking ps2 action games and modernizing those but i would love that yeah yeah it'd be it'd be cool but like yeah the audience for that it i do think there's like a crossover point where the expectations for the style of game are too similar that it's not going to feel that different where the god old god of wars new god of war they're still the same type of game they're just presented so differently that what does modernizing one of those old ones look like if not too close to what actual modern but god yeah, of war I mean, is, really it's just that you, makes you give kratos a jump button that's the, the that's really it you know and then <laughs> that's actually a really good observation yeah. like the jump button and that that the platforming element yeah. does change up that gameplay i think it's that it's the camera angle like yeah. it is it feeling a little bit like, feeling faster and quicker right like it's more about how it controls and feels to play as opposed to even like the format of it. Yeah. yeah and i could see i i don't know if i could see playstation and sony santa monica doing it because i think they're i think they're so focused on what god of war is today that like for them is it worth it to go back and do a classic style god of war again when current god of war is doing it for people i don't think so but i could see an indie developer going hey they aren't making this anymore so what if we made it what if we made a game where you play as i don't know spados and (laughs) 
you use the <laughs> I don't know, like the knives of of um uh I'll, what's another word for chaos? The knives of disaster. dismay, disaster. <laughs> yeah, you use the knives of disaster that happen to be on chains or like and ropes. They're they're on ropes. Here's yes. the wild thing. Like ropes. Tim, you you bring up a great point. Like we're almost at that era because think about it. Like God of War was 2005. Yeah. In three years, it'll be 20 years old. Like we are getting close to that. Like. I could see that uh, being revitalized in a big way, that like era of uh, genre of action and, and platforming and stuff like that. I mean, even yesterday, Greg and I were talking about Uncharted on uh, on PC. And when you think about how wild it is that there hasn't been a new Uncharted, even counting Lost Legacy in how long, Bless? Since 2017? Yeah. <laughs> like, God damn. That's pretty damn long for what we would all think is a top of mind franchise right like I, I, there was a movie recently too and they they have released all the ports but playstation is gaming in general is maturing in in, in a rapid way bless in a very uh, rapid way what is it time what is it? i mean speaking of time i'm looking right now at blessing super fun game release calendar that you can of course find on twitter.com slash blessing junior and i'm trying to find i'm trying to look at the time we're in right now in terms of game releases because bayonetta 3 right is having mm -hmm. its moment right now but i feel like out of all of the games that are coming out right now, right, October, November, and December for that matter, we're seeing we're seeing rapid releases. Yeah. And I'm wondering what gets lost to the shuffle or not. Well, we've already got, I feel like, uh, some duds, right, when it came, comes to review scores, at least, with mm -hmm. Gotham Knights and with the Call of Duty single-player campaign mm -hmm. um, that people seem to not be vibing with that much. So those are two of the bigger AAA releases, right? We just had Mario plus Rabbids on the Mario Switch Rabbids. side. Bayonetta's here. Bayonetta's here. New Tales from the Borderlands got seemingly like fine reviews, but yeah. I also feel like it, you know, kind of got lost to the shuffle. I think it got bit. like the reviews people would expect for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, right? And then like, we got Plague Tale uh, Requiem uh, as well. Overwatch Two came out earlier this month, and then going into November, we're looking at Sonic, we're looking at God of War, we're looking at. Um, Pokemon, um, and then in December we're looking at Callisto, Marvel's Midnight Suns, uh, High on Life, and Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII Reunion. You know, the question Damn, I bring up... Man, so many games! Yeah, like, I feel like a lot of them are going to get lost to the shuffle. And, and that's where I'm... Is this a Gamescast topic for today? I think it possibly. might be. I was going to bring this in into like... What are, what is... I know we kind of had this, this conversation last time in regards to, I think, God of War versus Elden Ring. But what does the rest of the year look like in terms of standouts and potential for games to rise up and surprise us and be game with their potential? Because I look at these Bayonetta scores and I'm like, all right, this Metacritic, you know, that is top 10 games of the year conversation Metacritic mm -hmm. when you look at Bayonetta getting an 89 uh, on Metacritic and on you know, Open Critic as well, let alone 9 out of 10 from GameSpot, uh, 5 stars from VG247, 8.25 out of 10 from Game Informer. I don't think it has an IGN review up yet. But, you know, is Bayonetta 3 going to be in the conversation? Or is it one that you think is going to get lost to the shuffle? Um, I think it's going to get lost to the shuffle, but I don't think in a way that is necessarily wrong. Where, mm -hmm. without having played Bayonetta 3 yet, I don't expect it, and from everything I've seen, from what people have been saying here, I don't expect it to revolutionize Bayonetta in a way. A game of the year, I think, just like adds this extra element to it all. That like It's not just, oh, what is the best. I do think there's a factor of like what changed the game the most and like what meant the most sure. to the industry that year. Whereas I think a Bayonetta, the, the impact, I guess. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, the, and that's why I think that even like a God of War Ragnarok, it being the second, is going to not be as exciting as something like an Elden Ring mm -hmm. because Elden Ring took the idea of the souls before it with its own new thing, right? Whereas like God of War Ragnarok, it's more God of War. Yeah. 
is an amazing thing. Like no one would be complaining about that, but there there's that impact level. Of, yeah. Will I mean, it be there? I don't know. Uh, to bring in a couple more games in the conversation, I've been surprised by how little in the conversations we've had recently, Horizon Forbidden West comes up. Because mm-hmm. Horizon Forbidden West still stands as like in my top ten for the year, probably top five, maybe if I look through the the all the games that I played of like, yo, the, Horizon Forbidden West was the step up I needed from Horizon to like really make me fall in love with that franchise. I really liked Zero Dawn. Forbidden West turned it into love. But I think for conversation, I hear more people talk about games like Kirby and the Forgotten Land because oh, yeah. I think the impact that had on Kirby, right? And also things like Sifu because mm-hmm. that was left field. Oh, shit, this is tight as hell. Whereas Horizon, I think, was to be a bit more expected. Yeah. I, I, I do think impact might uh, play a big role in the way that you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be there's, – there's a lot of games, even the ones you named left in December right like yeah. like Callisto protocol like that could be a a very yeah. very successful game and like hopefully it's great i don't know that it's game of the year potential like just like even i feel like it's a very uphill battle for a game like that to to be able to get game of the year mm-hmm. because of what it is but that's okay fair enough fair enough speaking of a game that'll be hopefully great story number two a new pokemon has been revealed this comes from at pokemon on twitter meet grievard do you think I'm saying that right? Grievard? Grievard? G-R-E-A-V-A-R-G. I'm going to say Grievard. Meet Grievard. Grievard, yeah. The ghost dog Pokemon. Grievard is so affectionate that <laughs> that paying it any attention will make it so happy that it will follow you wherever you go. Aww. However, Grievard will slowly and inadvertently uh, absorb the life force of those around it. Oh, shucks. Just I like had a me, nickel. for real. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are, you, are you fucking with Grievard? Do you like this Pokemon? There's a little candle. Yeah, you know, good, good for him. He's kind of like a reverse boo when you think about it. You know, oh. looking at him makes him go towards you. Um, shout out to you. Cute little pups out there in the Pokemon world doing their thing. It's a whole new way to, to be. I, li- I like the I like the Pokemon reveals. You know, oh, yeah. I, I almost feel like the Pokemon reveal, reveals are, for me are more exciting than the rest of the game's marketing. Because, <laughs> uh-huh. like, they talk about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I, it's gonna be another Pokemon game. I'm probably gonna play it. Maybe I'll play half of it and fall off. Like, who knows? But like, you know, you got me. It's Pokemon. But then I get to these individual Pokemon reveals, and I'm like, oh man, Wiglet looks fucking weird. No, Look at that dude, guy. Wiglet is looks like ringworms. I don't like it. Wiglet is a fucking weird ass Pokemon. And now you got Grievard, and I'm like, Grievard is cute as fuck. Yeah, he's I'm just out here doing his thing, trying to live his life, man. You know, he's just trying to love, and there's just so much hate inside of him. It's just getting out there. It makes you think. What does it make you think think. about? I don't know. That's the eye of the beholder, bless. Fair enough, fair enough. Story number three, the hierarchy of power in multiverses (laughs) is about to change. (laughs) This comes from Chris Scolian at Video Games Chronicle. Black Adam will be joining the multiverses roster later this week. It's been confirmed. A tweet on the official multiverses account revealed that the DC Comics anti-hero will be added to the game as its its 22nd uh, playable character. Joining Black Adam is a new arcade mode, which will also be added to the game at the same time. Although it's not clear what this mode entails, it's believed to be a traditional arcade-style format where players fight through a series of opponents. Game director Tony Wynn also confirmed to a follower on Twitter that arcade mode will support online co-op. Hell yeah, you go get a multiverses. Yeah. I feel like the talk of this game has kind of gone down. Yeah, they need, they need a, big, a, a big pop. Do you think Evo's going to be that for them? I mean, Evo is what like a, a year away, so like that's a while to to not have um, a big pop in that time. I think the bigger question is: Is Black Adam going to be the t- that pop for them? And I, I, I doubt don't think it. So. I doubt it. I, bless. I want to show you this picture, all right? And okay. I want you to to read the headline 
describe what the image on the left is, mm -hmm. and then read the date it was posted. Okay. All right. So the headline is Shazam, The Rock is Black Adam. And then you said you want me to describe the images? Yeah. <laughs> the image on the left is the rock with hair, mm -hmm. which is this a real, is this photoshopped? No, no, that's real. Now read the date. Why does he look like that? The date is from wow, November 2nd, 2007. Holy shit. Yeah, that is when Black Adam was first announced to be the rock. Wait, really? Mm hmm. I thought it was 2013. But now, 2013 is when they announced the whole slate of, uh, of the movies. Gotcha, but, gotcha. Really? But, yeah, I was working at Vans. Hold on, hold on. Let me get the solo shot here. He has hair, guys. And he was Black Adam in the beginning. Man, wow. let me tell you, The Rock looks great bald. He it's, looks it's like that. Um, let me yeah, tell he, you. He pulls it up. That reminds me of uh, what's his face when he was cast as uh, Nathan Drake, and then he turned into Sully because the production of that movie took fucking forever. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> 2007. 2007. That's wild. Yeah. The year Assassin's Creed came out. No, here's the. Here, yeah, that is the year Assassin's Creed came out. Uh, I'll. I'm trying to think of other games that came out in 2007. I get that in 2008 completed a little bit because it's been so long. But did Bioshock, was Bioshock 2007? Mm-hmm. I, I want to say yeah, it was. Yeah, that sounds right. Was that 2008? And Mass Effect? And Mass Effect. Good yeah. year. Good year for video games. Yeah. Unlike 2009. Um, the version of Black Adam in this game is uh, not the <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson, mm. which I'm fine with, but I hope they give a co costume because I would like to play as Dwayne The Rock Johnson in multiverses. Mm. That's my one thing. I want to play Dwayne The Rock Johnson and I want to fist fight LeBron James. That's yeah, okay. Yeah, fair, fair. That's all I want. I understand that about you. Do you know what else I want, Tim? Mm. I want people to go to patreon.com slash games where they can go and get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. You know what I have? No, besides a game award, life insurance. I want to make sure that if anything happens to me, my family's taken care of, and you should do the same. And since life insurance typically gets more expensive as we age, now is the time to buy. I didn't get my first life insurance policy until Ben was born, but it feels great knowing that no matter what, Jen and him are going to be okay. No matter what. Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $17 per month for $500,000 of coverage. They're not incentivized to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. And your personal info is private. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save that's policygenius.com go deeper into the canals of numenor the mines of khazad doom and more with the official the lord of the rings the rings of power podcast hosted by friend of the show felicia day and several special guests they provide an inside look at the groundbreaking series and what it took to bring middle earth to life each episode of the official podcast features exclusive interviews with the series showrunners jd Payne and patrick mckay including the very first full breakdown of the incredible season finale. Felicia also goes behind the scenes with the cast and crew to bring you jaw-dropping stories and Easter eggs you don't want to miss. Watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. Before we enter 
story number four. There is one thing I wanted to bring up in the last news story um, that I want to run by you, Tim, because mm. I like the idea. I like, one, that they're adding an arcade mode into multiverses. Hell yeah, For do sure. that. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting and fun that they're also adding uh, co-op for the multiverses arcade mode, right? Online co-op, which is something that for some reason I never thought about in regards to Smash. Like, one, Smash never added co-op for their arcade, right? Or for their classic mode. Yeah, they did. Oh, did they really? Yeah, there's, there was, there was co-op. Never mind. Yeah, I guess yeah, I yeah. just never got around to playing classic mode and co-op. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could even do adventure mode and co-op. In what, in Melee? Uh, well... In Subspace Emissary for Brawl, for sure. Yes, yeah, yeah. I th yeah, I'm pretty sure you could. Are you talking? Are you thinking about um? What was it? World of Light. There's yeah, and then World of Light as well. I don't know. Someone is, will let us. Let know us know. Kindofunny.com/slash/wrong. <laughs> is Tim making all this stuff up, or is he very accurate? Who knows? Let us know. For now, let's hop into story number four. The Last of Us's Abby actor says she would definitely play the role again. This comes from Chris Scolian at Video Games Chronicle. The actor who played Abby in The Last of Us Part Two says she would definitely return to play the role if asked. In an interview with Comic Book Movie, Laura Bailey was asked if she would be open to playing Abby again if the opportunity ever arose. Quote, I would definitely go back to her, Bailey replied. Quote, I know there was a lot of drama in response to her character, but it was one of the most influential roles I've had in my life. I would 100% go back to play more Abby if the opportunity came up, end quote. Bailey was also asked for her thoughts on the upcoming HBO series, to which she replied, quote, the series looks amazing and I cannot wait to see more of it, end quote. Tim, this is less of like a concrete news story as opposed to a fun talking point of like, oh yeah, does, does Laura Bailey get to play Abby again? Do we see Abby ever come up again in The Last of Us? I imagine we, we will. And that excites me greatly. I loved Last of Us 2 and Abby was mm -hmm. a big part of that. Uh, Laura Bailey is fantastic and um, would love to get get more of her playing abby because i think she did such a great job the first time around um last of us is one of my favorite worlds in media so the idea of getting more of that in any way shape or form excites me i'm very very hopeful for this show i think that it's going to uh be excellent and i think it's going to be the hit that they all kind of expect it to be in the way that hbo is pushing it outside of just the core gamers like to the the mainstream as well and i think that that kind of gives playstation an opportunity to really kind of take its ip to another level even that they've been slowly building to the i mean last couple of decades but really even the last couple of years with uh their push into the the movies and all of that and you see nintendo doing the same with with mario um so i'm hoping that this leads to a last of us 3 that isn't just a oh like we have to do a tie-in game essentially mm -hmm. with a a show project or movie project coming out but more of like the everything feeds into itself to be to promote each other and all that yeah i don't 100 be down for more abby especially if a if they got a, i guess spoilers for last was part two if you haven't for some reason beaten last was part two or if you care about spoilers for last was part two i'll put a time code in thank you um i would be totally down for a lev abby story right where it is like he plays one of the other i would love to play as lev actually right and maybe have abby as a um as a companion support yeah as a support support character and have it be their story whether that is last is part three or that is last of us colon love story you know whatever whatever love story sounds like love story uh but you know go down that path because you know i think there's a lot you can do with that universe that's why i'm excited for last of us factions you know one because i loved the most player in the past but then also the way that they're promoting factions the way that they're talking about it the amount of like work they're putting into it makes it seem like factions is going to be this expansive hey let's make this a games and service hey let's find ways to tell more stories in this world i think the world in last of us 
uh, it's, it's so good, and I wanted to see it. I want to see it uh, fleshed out more. So yeah, coming off of factions, if they're if they are able to give me another single player, you're playing as Lev and you're doing a story with those characters, and then maybe you come back to Last of Us Three, and it is me playing as more Ellie, or if it is me playing as new characters, I'm totally down with that. I think I, I, for me, I just want to see more of that world because I think there's so much more you can do um, with the Last of Us. And I'm also just in the Last of Us mood coming off of Last of Part One. That was such a good reminder of how much I love that franchise. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that's the thing is like I it's it's always exciting to get a new ip that is a hit right that like makes you feel things you haven't felt before and it's rare that that happens for a multitude of reasons right but i feel like naughty dog are one of the few developers out there that have proven that they got the stuff when it comes to that and all they need is the the time and resources to be able to make that happen but then there's the other side of it of once they make a hit franchise people want more of that hit because yeah. they know the taste of it and they want more of that exact thing um so i'm excited to see what naughty dog does next in any way because i love that i'm at a point with them that at least from a single player perspective mm -hmm. whether it's uncharted last of us or a new ip i'm essentially equally excited hell yeah for whatever they're working on you know 100 percent. story number five microsoft wants its own genshin impact like game for xbox this comes from jordan midler at video games chronicle Microsoft is looking for its own Genshin Impact-like game in order to appeal more to the Chinese market, according to a new report. Reuters notes that the company is accelerating plans to find an equivalent title to the action role-playing game, which has seen over $4 billion of revenue in two years for Shanghai studio MiHoYo. Genshin Impact, an anime-style open-world game, is monetized through gacha mechanics uh, in which players pay for the chance to earn special characters they can, use, they can then use in-game. Reuters claims that sources indicate to them that Microsoft is scouting the Chinese markets for new developers it could bring into the fold. The company is also allegedly, quote, wooing even independent studios with big money offers, end quote. While Sony doesn't own the Genshin Impact IP, it did partner with developer MiHoYo early in the game's development and assisted in bringing it to market. The game is on PC and mobile devices, although the console version of the game is exclusive on PlayStation. According to Reuters source, sources, Microsoft regrets missing out on Genshin and had briefly spoken to MiHoYo when Genshin was being developed, but talks fell through. Quote, picking up Genshin Impact made Sony a lot of money, according to a Reuters source, who declined to be identified because the information was not public. Tim, do you think Microsoft could use their own Genshin Impact-like game for Xbox? The, this is interesting because it totally reads as them being like, oh, hey, there's this thing that makes a lot of money. I want a thing that makes a lot of money. Let's make a thing that makes a lot of money. And yep. like that kind of feels like where it all starts and stops, right? Yeah. Um, I do they need this type of game? I don't know. Like I feel like that it's such a uh, obvious yes if they can somehow recapture that magic of what Genshin Impact is. I don't know that that's possible though. This does feel like a a step starting from the wrong place. Mm. I feel that, and like I, I I think the money aspect of it is very true to the story of like yeah genshin impact made what was it four billion dollars yeah. in in the last two years and that is a game that i think is both lightning in a bottle and orchestrated to some extent of hey what if we made this big open world action rpg and had a bunch of characters that players fall in love with and you know built it around gotcha and you know really went for the mobile game style hey just another hit right just mm -hmm. give us some more money and maybe you can get the character that you want and like you know, that's, it's, it's not a surprise that that's making a lot of money, but I think it is it is not something that you can easily replicate. Right? Oh, it's not, not something that's all. easy to obtain, right? And, yeah. like, Genshin Impact uh, was able to do it. I think 
there are quite a few reasons why uh, Microsoft would want to do this. Again, money would be it. And then also to appeal to a wider audience, you know, like Microsoft in the same way that in recent years, I'd say in probably in the last five years to maybe the last decade, they've been trying to appeal to uh, uh, more Japanese audiences because mm -hmm. that's been a big missing factor on the Xbox side forever. And so now as you're seeing, you know, now Persona's on Xbox. They got uh yakuza games i mean even game. final fantasy and kingdom hearts right yeah. like like those were we now are just like oh yeah that it's expected but like those were big steps and it yeah. took time and now you're seeing the chinese market grow in recent years with games like genshin impact and way more games and way more games that are about to come to fruition right like i think in in um you know in future years we're going to see a lot more chinese games come through and become the talk of the town in the way that genshin is right now and we already have seen that even at the Xbox game showcases, right? Like yep. where we saw the, the focus on a couple of those Chinese games. So they're definitely putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to investing in the, the talent and all that. It's just this story to me just kind of reads as them looking at the money first in, instead of figuring out what you're talking about, the mm -hmm. well-orchestrated way to get there. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, in the same way that they're trying to appeal to Japanese um, uh, gamers, they want to do the same thing for China because China is becoming more of an emergent uh, market. Uh, I'm curious to see the way they go about it. Because you, you mentioned we've seen some of these games already at the Microsoft showcases. I wonder if we see a Genshin Impact direct rival you know like i, uh, I want to say was it uh, tower of fantasy kind of funny.com slash you're wrong i want to say that that is that kind of game um and it would have been interesting to see that on the on the microsoft showcase right if microsoft was able to take that and, and own that i wonder if we'll see something else come come through i wonder if it could be another game for mihoyo you know they do have a couple of games uh, on the horizon they have a um, zenless zone zero <laughs> which yeah. i'm very excited about uh and i'm hoping that that gets me in the way that genshin impact originally had me in but then lost me just because that game takes a lot of grinding and a lot of hours. Um, and I like that world, but I don't love it enough to put 100 hours into it. Zenless Zone Zero might be that game for me where I'm like, all right. I'm getting lost. Let's get lost. Let's actually give this thing money and let's let's roll for those characters. Um, I wonder if we, see, if we see something like that from the MiHoYo side or if they find a, a different developer to go after to try and attain that kind of game. But, you know, good on them and good luck to them, right? I would like to see competition in that space. I think that's a good thing to have. Um, and I think, you know, I think the Xbox audience would appreciate a game like that not and that's kind of that's even a mixed thing to say because there are things about genshin that i don't love right specifically the way in which they go about a lot of the gotcha stuff doesn't speak to me um i think it's very aggressive i don't love it always but also it's free to play so what you gonna do and you love those waifus Hey, I never said that. I never said that, Barry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can i can find a clip of you saying that I'm oh you'll sure. never find the, the, the genshin impact waifus no nah, man no nah, okay. man when it All comes right. to waifus is near Automata or bust? <laughs> you know what I mean, man? Them's the rules. Them's the rules. The Genshin Impact waifus don't really do it for me. I like the gameplay. Give me a Breath of the Wild style game. I'll play that shit all day, every day. Uh, let's round out with our final news story. Story number six. Disco Elysium author Robert Kurvitz's company files a lawsuit against Z-A-U-M. I never figured out how to say this name. Whether it's, is it Zaum? Because in my head I say Zaum. But I'm also like Zam. Zam? God damn. Uh, this comes from James Bachelor at GamesIndustry.biz. The dispute between Disco Elysium developer, I'm going to say Zaum, Zaum and its former staff appears to have escalated as reports emerge of a lawsuit filed against the Estonian studio. Tech News Space first spotted a record on an Estonian court website revealing a lawsuit has been filed against Studio Zaum by Tolomer, a company that includes Robert Kurvitz, author uh, uh, of the Disco Elysium no novel and designer of the game as a board member. Kotaku Australia corroborated this, reporting that Kurvitz has been, has been involved with Tolomer since it was founded in January 2020. 
The site also reports that Telomer uh, filed an application to obtain information and review documents. The court lists the date of the first hearing as November 28, 2022. No other information about the nature or subject of the lawsuit is available, although the most common speculation is that it centers around Kerbit's attempt to reclaim the Disco Elysium IP from Zaum. The news follows the revelation that Zaum Cultural Association, which is separate from the development studio of the same name, has been disbanded and that key members of the studio were dismissed from the studio. These include Kervitz himself, uh, writer Helen and Pear, uh, and art director Alexander Rostov. According to Martin Luiga, a co-founder of the Zaum Cultural Association, every time I say Zaum, it makes me go inside a little bit, and editor of the Disco Elysium novel, the trio has not worked at the studio since the end of last year, and their leaving was involuntary. Industry drama, Tim. Industry drama. Does this do anything for you? Well, I mean, I, I you know, it just it sounds like just from looking at this, it sounds like people are being very unfairly treated, and this does not sound great, and hopefully things get settled correctly in court. Yeah. via the legal system but yeah I, I don't know i'm not up enough on this this was all uh breaking during the the launch of things so i remember seeing this but i i didn't like read too much about it so i'm definitely coming from a place of ignorance on this one yeah it's one that you know it's tough to speculate on and i don't necessarily want to speculate on because it seems like it is a lot of behind closed doors drama right of these people that were integral to the creative process of disco elysium that go, going as far as being like lead writers and like you know working on the novel and all this stuff being like like go from the studio and it being this invo involuntary thing i i don't like speculating on it based on the fact that like you know we just don't know you know we don't know what went down between uh, the two parties there's a chance that maybe one is in the wrong or both are in the wrong you know whatever it is i would hope that if let's say robert kurvitz and uh squad if they are in the right on this, I would love to see them get the IP back because they are the creative leads on it. They are the ones that made the game what it is. And for somebody, for me, who I really love Disco Elysium and I would love to play a Disco Elysium 2 that has the same people working on it, you know, like, I would really, I would really love to see them continue to work on this game that was their brainchild. That said, like, you know, it's tough to say who's in the wrong here. It's tough to, like, speculate on this and be like, oh, yeah, like, I hope they get it, you know, for whatever reason, because I don't know. Like, I don't know who who... Uh, uh, right now the IP legally and deservedly belongs to uh, mm -hmm. in that in that way but I guess no matter what right like I, ho I hope to see the best for the Disco Elysium IP I hope that they're able to settle this in a way that is amicable even though it seems like we've already passed amicable yeah. in the situation but yeah I hope for the best totally Tim very curious to see what happens to Disco Elysium in the future but the future of Disco Elysium is just so far away if I want to know what's coming out to Mom Grab Shops today where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Also, uh, really quick, uh, Bless, there's, what up, what up? A, there's a poll in Twitch chat and it says uh, overwhelmingly people voted that you are a waifu man. Well, you guys like Greg Miller just poison your minds, don't you? If Greg Miller says jump, you all say how high. But you know, he called it, me a pervert once. <laughs> but you, you and just, now this is my reputation. What? Because I like Nier Tomba. So it's one of the best stories ever told. You motherfuckers. <laughs> well, I'm gonna get Greg back. He's this, not gonna this see a big. I'm here for the the wings. I read the articles. Energy. <laughs> I'm here for the story. Damn it! Have you played Nier Tomba? It's incredible. <laughs> it has an incredible story, and you are missing out on it because you get to ending A and you decide to drop off. Listen. I don't like that they called them endings either. They're basically sequels to each other. Just play, play through ending E. It'll change your life. 
you'll understand where I'm coming from in terms of Nier Automata. It's a fantastic video game with an incredible story, but all you let Poison Your oh, you let fucking Greg Miller come out here and be like, oh man, you know, they have a trophy where you look, look up the skirts. Listen, I didn't make that trophy, <laughs> Tim. I, I, did I make that trophy? But, but did you uh, go and get the trophy plus? No, I didn't. Well, actually, I might have gotten uh, on accident. Uh, <laughs> on accident. <laughs> on accident. I, I didn't know the trophy was in there. It just wow. popped out. So like, oh, just, shit. And here's You're the saying thing. too much here, Blast. <laughs> Tim, Tim Hugh didn't even do it for the trophy. He, did it, he just did it in natural I was instinct. I was curious to see if they would let me do it. And they let me do it. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Sometimes a few <sighs> things in trophies. Listen, Greg's out here playing fucking uh, his perverted games for trophies. He's playing Ghostbusters. But also for trophies, video he's, game. He, he's playing Platy Bird. You know, he, he's playing pa Platy Bird. He played a game called what, Pretty Bird. Uh oh. Uh oh. Platy Bird. Wasn't there another? Platy Bird is Pretty Bird. People were worried, of course. Like, how did it work out? You know? Hold on. I'm a little asshole detector, and I just got one. You know what I'm saying? Right here. Got one right here. Come here. How? How are they multiplying? God, I hate this. Come to join us. In there. Why is it touching me? Oh, <laughs> God. Why is it in there? What is in there? What's in there? What's in there? Oh, oh my God. I'm a slimer. Wow. Andy, what are you wearing? What is Andy, what is Andy wearing? Andy, I said Ghostbuster. Are you wearing a military uniform? Wait, was that Top Gun? Bogey, bogey. One six. No, it's... Yes, in fact, his name tag does just say <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> Do you have any statement on the perverted platinum? Yeah, you, that you get. I'll keep doing it. I ain't afraid of it. I'm goddamn. He ain't afraid of no ghosts. He admits it. You want to talk about? I claim no. Play, huh? I play. I claim no wrongdoing. Nah, you, you started deny, this narrative you, about you, me. You, you deny the. Barry, the you play Persona thing. Five, which Greg Miller probably called perverted too. I mean. All right, band with <sighs> me against him. Nah. He started this narrative against us. Us, us. Oh, us. No. That, oh, my name's Whoa. never been brought us. into it. Don't try to drag me into it. Damn, waifu man. Listen, Bear, me and you can become can be waifu brothers together. All right, we just got to band against them and you know let the audience know that we're not those guys. The only narrative I ever started about Barrett was that he loves pop punk and he's CEO <laughs> Junior and he's got a good head on his shoulders, <laughs> unlike a lot of people at table right us, now. Barrett. Right. Can't wait for you to eat your ice cold egg McMuffin after this blessing. <laughs> I mean, that's my plan, actually. I need, some, I need to eat something for lunch. Out today. The perversions <laughs> run deep, everybody. It's just sitting on my desk. See, I took one bite of that thing and I was like, oh, it's time for Games Daily. Out today, we got Garbage Pail Kids for. Wait. Garbage Pail Kids, Mad Mike in the Quest for Stale Gum for PS4, yeah. Xbox mm -hmm. One, Switch, and PC. Barrett, can you pull up a trailer, a trailer of that? I really got to know what this is. You say, got it, cool. Uh, we got Victoria 3 for PC. Uh, Yomawari, Lost in the Dark for PC, PS4, Switch. Uh, we got Frog Song for PC. Okay. SCP Keter, Early Access for PC. Yeah. Age of Empires 4, Anniversary Update for PC. Life in Willowdale, Farm Adventures for PC. Right now, uh, Barrett has brought up Garbage Peel Kids, Mad Mike in the Quest for Stale Gum. Oh, shit. This is a Jared Petty-ass game. I think they're doing like an NES version of this. I feel like I heard someone talk about this recently. Where oh, it's four like, playable characters. Yeah. yeah Six is, punishing levels. It's not, it looks like a Game Boy game. But like a Game Boy Color game, I guess. Because there's color. See, I was going to say like Atari. Mm. Like a colorful Atari game. Yeah. Like the aspect right. ratio definitely feels Game Boy Color-esque. Yeah. All right. I was not expecting this. It's available now for Licensed pretty much every platform. Oh, because of Garbage Pail Kids. Interesting.
That's cool as hell. Yeah. We also got out today MetaQuest Pro. The MetaQuest Pro is out today. Uh, and then also Mount and Blade 2 Bannerlord is out for a PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. New date for you, Godlike Burger. <laughs> Godlike, Godlike Burger, Burger, where your customers are the meat for your burgers, comes to PS4, Switch, and Xbox One on November 2nd. Wow. Hell yeah, that's, I think, a week from today. Yeah, if you want to feed your customers your burgers, look out for God. Can you bring up a trailer for that, too? I, I want to know. Godlike I'm already Burger. on it. Thank you. And then deal of the day for you, uh, we got a rumored PS Plus essential lineup for November. Uh, it's via Deal Labs, which means that it is true. Uh, this, uh, you're getting Neo 2. Lego Harry Potter Collection and Heavenly Bodies. So there you go. Right now, Barrett has brought up Godlike Burger, where your customers are the meat for your burgers. It's like a Cooking Mama kind of uh, what, what's overcooked. That one? Overcooked as well. Kind it looks like vibe. a single player, like overcooked. Yeah, it was. A, that's why I brought up the Cooking Mama kind yeah. of thing. It okay. has like dialogue and shit. Yeah. All right. Wow. Cool. Janet Garcia, get on it. Uh, now it's time for reader mail. You can write in to kindoffunny.com slash KFGD to qu get your questions read on the show, just like Jonathan Shapiro did. Jonathan writes in and says, I'm addicted to Marvel Snap right now, which makes me wonder, do you think Midnight Suns is going to be as fun or fail to match the gameplay loop of Snap? I'll tell you, Bless. Like, the idea of Midnight Suns was interesting to me, and Marvel Snap just gave me everything I wanted from that thought. Mm. Uh, I guess the one thing would be there's no story in Snap and, like, cutscenes, and those did look kind of cool from what we've seen so far from uh, Midnight Suns. But I don't know that the gameplay of that is going to compel me enough to want to keep going just to get those cutscenes, especially when I feel like I'll want to know the story, but that might be uh, afternoon on YouTube, just kind of skimming through and, yeah. and seeing one day, um, especially in a year where uh, we're, we already have Mario Plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, that I am playing through. So it's like that similar type of gameplay when I, I'm getting my Marvel strategy fix somewhere else and really, really loving my time. I don't know. Yeah, this this year was for me supposed to be the year that I got more into turn-based strategy games because there was a big group of games that were to come out. Right, We had Advanced Wars, which has got delayed into Oblivion. Yeah, We have uh, Mario and Rabbids, Sparks of Hope, that for me has been a victim of review season in, in the studio launch. I've not gotten to play as much of it. I played maybe like about two to three hours of it, and I was like, this is good, but... I got God of War and other Bayonetta three and other games to play. Um, there's Midnight or there's Midnight Suns, um, and then there was also, ooh, what's the one that Jerry Petty won't stop talking about? Um, that is the game that was a 2D shoot 'em up that is getting a strategy game, really good art style, kind of funny. Metal concept. Slug, Metal Slug, Metal Slug Tactics. That I was like, oh, this looks really it good. It looks real dope. Yeah. yeah. And again, I'm not a traditional uh, turn-based strategy person, but with each of these games getting announced, I'm like, ooh, all of these look good, and I want to check out all of these games marvel's midnight suns i'm at least gonna boot up and try but you know to the point of jonathan's question and to you tim you know i think with both these games there are two audiences that they're trying to appeal to first and foremost i think it's the, the audience that are into these genres right marvel staff is going to be for people who are into mobile games and people who are into like casual car, card games right which i think is a lot of people but then also on the midnight sun side right that is appealing more to the XCOM style turn-based strategy audience but then in terms of the secondary audience that these uh, games are trying to appeal to they are trying to appeal to the wider audience who are people that love marvel and who are people that are going to see 
the story or style of this game and then go, oh, let me check it out based on these things. Yeah. Marvel Snap, I'm playing because of the Marvel as aspect of it. You know, like if Marvel Snap didn't have Marvel characters, if it didn't have like all the all these pulls, I don't know if I'll be playing Marvel Snap. I probably wouldn't be. Um, but now I am playing it and I'm having an absolute blast with it. Midnight Suns is in the same boat for me where if Midnight Suns didn't have the Marvel name attached to it, I would not give any attention to it. I mean, if it was XCOM, you wouldn't play it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Exactly. But... It but. is from those people, and it's Marvel in the same way that Snap is the Hearthstone guys, but it's Marvel. And like that, I think, has been Marvel Games' greatest strength so far is identifying who should make what games. And they haven't been flawless with it, but I, you look at things like Spider-Man from Insomniac, and that exists. And it's yeah. as good as we all thought it would be. Like That is really impressive, and I feel like Marvel so far, I would say, has more wins than losses when it comes to that, um, especially in more the more recent times. Um, like the Guardians Telltale game, I know people didn't love in the the early days, but it's like I really liked the more recent Guardians game. Yeah. Um, so looking at this, I feel like Midnight Suns is probably the best chance for this type of game to succeed with the Marvel branding and all that. Um, having said that, though, it is still a, a fairly niche genre to begin with. Um, so and the, the timing of December, like. We'll see. That's, that, that's, that's another X factor, too. I, I, I think, you know, it's not Marvel Snap entirely that Marvel Midnight Suns has to worry about. I think it is just all the games. Or at all, game. honestly. Yeah. I think it's more just a fun conversation. I don't think that they're actually competing for market share. For sure. No. I, I do think there's a, and this might just be a me personal thing and not an audience thing, but, you know, these games coming out close enough to each other, if I had to pick one or the other, at this point I'm picking Marvel Snap because it's a known quantity that came out first, and also I know it's going to be easier for me to get into. Um, that said, like, you know, Marvel's Midnight Suns, I think, has to worry about competing with Callisto and competing with Final Fantasy and competing with Pokemon coming weeks before and God of War and all these games that are coming out yeah. in the weeks leading up to it. I think that's more of the scary thing, where if it came out at a period that didn't have as many games if it was a hey this is a july game in a july month that doesn't have that many other games coming out i think it would have more of the potential to be a smash hit but i do worry about it a little bit coming out in in december that said right like i don't think it's the market death i think as long as it's good it's going to be fine um but we'll see how many people are talking about it and paying attention to it yeah, I think definitely. having a story and all these cool characters in this in the midnight suns like storyline i think that's going to appeal enough, enough people to at least pay attention to it somewhat mm-hmm now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in, let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Uh, Charles Jacobson says, LeBron and The Rock uh, are in Fortnite, so you can fight there. Hell yeah. And he also More options that. <laughs> to make your dreams come true. More options to make LeBron and The Rock throw hands. Apparently, The Rock is both the foundation and Black Adam in Fortnite, so boom, there you go. Uh, Nano says Melee did not have a co-op in Adventure Mode. It can be modded, though. Brawl added co-op to the story mode, Subspace Emissary, which we all know. We, we knew that. We all played at Subspace and had a fantastic time with Subspace. Uh, let's see. Kebab says a remake of Age of Mythology was just announced. Today is the 25th birthday of the Age of Empires series. Uh, more people writing in about Age of Empires. Age of Empires, Age of Empires. And then uh, Pixelated Soul says, to clarify, the Garbage Pail Kids game is by I Am 8-Bit and is currently taking pre-orders for a fully functional NES cartridge version of the game. God, I love things like that. Just so rad. Yeah, shout out to I Am 8-Bit for doing yeah, God's work out there. For sure. And that is it for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong.
Tomorrow's hosts for Kind of Funny Games Daily are going to be me and Greg Miller. If you're watching this live right now, after this is Ghostbusters with Greg and a whole crew. If you want to catch that stream later, you can, of course, subscribe right here, youtube.com slash kind of funny games. You can also watch it live, twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. Remember, though, if you're watching this Kind of Funny Games Daily right now on YouTube, you got to click over to another link. There's another video that pops up, another stream that pops up that you have to click to to watch the stream. So go get it there. Remember this. Has been kind of funny games daily, each and every weekday live right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Until next time, game daily. <laughs>